Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. Tonight's Fear the Walking Dead, um, episode 105, uh, humbly titled Cobalt. The, uh, this was the original show title, wasn't it? The Kind of like the code name title? I thought so. That's at least what we put on there. Yeah, uh, I think that's what it is. And uh, it's fitting. Yeah, and I'm happy we got some answers on that. But uh, the uh, director tonight was Kerry Scoggin again. And the writer was David... I don't want to say Weiner. Was it Weiner? What do you What do you think? What, you I'll go with Weiner for his sake. <laughs> yeah, we'll roll with that. So, uh, first thoughts, man. What are you thinking? I already know you really enjoyed this episode a whole lot. <laughs> okay. um, Way to sell me down the river early. Uh, no, that's the thing. I really enjoyed the episode. Um, I've not not enjoyed any of the episodes, and I have this squared off on my notes I still feel like this show is majorly stuck in missed opportunities there's still there's there's still stuff I want to see that I feel like they are just sliding past I don't know it's weird I don't have anything necessarily just totally negative to say about because I am enjoying it okay I just there's certain things that I would have I would have loved to have seen, and I felt like were opportunities to really showcase okay. what you know Nicotero's really good at, and some of the stuff that I'd love you know tossed in there every once in a while. Okay, all right. Well, I think it was the best episode yet. Uh, <laughs> I think it's getting better and better, and uh, really really enjoyed this one and. For everything that is not typical of The Walking Dead is why I enjoyed it. I guess that's kind of in agreement with what you're talking about because some things we really enjoy on The Walking Dead, we're not getting on this show. So I can understand that to a point. Um, you know, there's been some criticism. I was reading some different articles and some different people talking. I listened to a few other podcasts and that uh, there's a lot of people saying that this show is just doing a very, very low budget, low quality uh, first six episodes is kind of as a test run um, to really see if it's going to have the meat and potatoes to spend the money for next season. Do you, what do you think about that? Oh, I totally disagree on the budget stuff. I I don't have a problem with not having huge set pieces that cost a bunch of money and all that type of stuff. I feel oh. like this show is much better shot, like cinematography and lighting and just the tension and the ambiance they put in the scenes, I think is way better than the other show. Well, not only that, is that I don't think it's necessary for what they're doing. You know what I mean? I don't think you have to have the epic you know, giant sweeping shots or set pieces and different things. And you're already starting behind a curve because this is a kind of a, I call it companion, but a prequel to the original show. So the expectations are already high. So 
I, I don't see it either. Uh, there's a lot of people saying this is just super low budget. You can tell they don't leave anywhere. They don't do that. And I said, well, Walking Dead doesn't leave anywhere either. I said, you know, and we know they spend money, but don't get me wrong. In comparison to a lot of other big shows, yeah, they might spend less. But I don't think it's to the point of you can say that it's bringing the show down, uh, in my opinion. Well, here's my deal. With this form of zombie, the shambling you know, slow moving, brainless, just whatever's noisy or moving they head towards, right? I don't feel like requires a massive budget because to make them dangerous, you need to be sitting still somewhere where a horde of them can be coming to you. Yeah, numbers. Now, if it's something like element. World War Z when they're moving like piles of ants or... Uh, like the rage zombies and 28 days later and stuff like that, which are great in their own right. But in this form, the tension is not in the danger of the zombie necessarily. It's in the danger of a horde of zombies. Yeah. And, and the darkness. The collapse, the collapse of humanity is the ultimate danger. Right. So I don't, I don't base a show or a, a movie's merit on how much money they spent on it. Or the budget they walked into it with. Because at the end of the day, none of that matters if it turns out shit. So I'd prefer good storytelling, great writing, and... Good characters you know, to fill Use your budget where it fits. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm, I'm, I don't see it. Uh, it might be just because we're diehard fans or whatever you want to call it. But I still, even when I analyze shows that I think are crap or are really, really good, I just don't... I don't see you can. There's a comparative that says this show. You can obviously say they're spending less money and it brings it down. I just don't see it. Yeah, I don't like comparing it to other shows. But you think about a show like Breaking Bad, where eighty percent of the episodes were low budget, just yeah. super well shot, super well written. Yeah, now I'm never going to compare dynamic about it. No right. special effects that had to be put in place. It was just a great storytelling, good actors. Right. And then they threw in big episodes with big, you know, set pieces and explosions or whatever budget they needed to put in. But not to compare the writing and the directing of Breaking Bad against this cuz it's no match really. But I don't think they're going for the same audience either. No. Not so. at all, you know. Absolutely not. So, well, getting back to the show, I, right. I I really enjoyed it. I really liked that we saw the dynamic and we saw the characters struggling with their own demons and their own situations and how it unfolds. And then we got so much good information about certain characters and it it's setting the tone. And just and of course, it was icing on the cake with the see that. Basically, what we predicted last week is almost identically what came true with the whole, you know, the military bugging out and the, you know, the humane cleansing of people and those kind of things. And that the military are the bad guys in the situation right now. Uh, so that that was a nice little touch to see that, you know, some of the things we kind of predicted came true. Um, and then, like I said, I thought the whole show had great pace. Um minus the whole Alicia Chris part and one or two little things. The rest of the episode was very plausible, enjoyable to see. It added to this plot. It moved things along, introduced new characters. It gave you a lot of curiosity and explanations for a lot of things you didn't know. Um, 
I just, I really, really enjoyed it. I really, really did. I wouldn't say it's like, you know, 10 out of 10, but I mean, like, of the five episodes so far, I've enjoyed it the most. I think the show stayed on a pretty steady pace for me. I mean, about enjoyment-wise and quality-wise. I, uh, when I talk about missed opportunities in general, it's, it's when the military goes out with Travis and you see some run into the building while Travis is sitting in the car. I'd love to seen inside the building a little bit. I'd love to seen whether or not is it Malloy, Lieutenant Malloy? Yeah, the the the, the dick. Yeah. Okay, he obviously didn't come out, and they got him trapped. Would have been really cool to see if if it was his own soldiers that put him down, you know, yeah, or left him, you know, in a bad situation or whatever the case may be. But hell, five or six went in, only two came out. So I still struggle with. You know, fully armored soldiers getting bit, not being able to handle their business and stuff like that with small numbers of zombies. And um, you know, it's funny you say that because I actually enjoyed that scene. Like, it felt like him sitting in that truck and squirming and hearing the radio and the gunfire and them going in to save some guys that were pinned down or in trouble and so on my imagination of the situation and seeing him squirm and looking around the vehicle. And so of course I was expecting a zombie to pop up beside the truck and everything, which it never did, which is all right. But that tension was there and it showed him changing and realizing humanity was over because right before that, you know, there was a part where he was you know, trying to get him to shoot the 50 caliber, you know, gun at the, the zombie and all that. And, you know, he chickens out. Uh, and it just goes back to the reality of is that, you know, he still thinks there's hope for humanity. And they're trying, in their own way, showing them that there isn't, you know. The, the bottom line is is that that over there, uh, which, by the way, I do love the characterization. We do have our first verbal description of what the zombies are. Uh, and that is, what is that, uh, skin sack. That was something. Skin was, bag? A skin bag, skin sack. And there was something else, too, they said. Yeah, anyway. They, uh, you know, and the whole little dynamic of them showing him to shoot that you know, zombie and of course, they look down at the name tag, and he chickens out. You know, it just goes back to the whole of you know, hey, he is still seeing people when he knows they're not. Okay, I know this is kind of a common question. Do we think Travis has a backstory? You know, it's funny you say that. It's do you think the guy has a history? Like, you know, I don't think so. I don't think you have two characters who have a background that's rough, violent, or would give him merit to be a badass for the future daniel is you know what we have figured out is you know is the bad guy or has those means in his history and his past travis no i don't are we just going like him coming out and being like i used to be in a gang in california i used to you know i just don't see it you know he just doesn't he doesn't have that no i mean he could literally be just a progressive he's, kind he's of liberal just an English teacher who sees hope in everything he's an optimist I mean the the whole backstory thing no I don't see it. it it would be too much if two of your main characters have like a really shady backstory or a, a backstory that gives them plausibility for being a badass for the future I just don't see it yeah I just I don't think I care about some kind of liberal anti-gun character that's going to have to use guns at some point yeah it just i think that's just kind of flimsy storytelling I, yeah i don't i don't see it at all i don't i don't i don't go with that at, any, at all no that's not me at all um 
But, you know, going back to that part, you know, Travis, he doesn't pull the trigger, the, you know, the shooting gun, all that stuff. And it shows that. And then he gets back in the truck and he's like, I told you so, you know, you think. And I love this dialogue from the that commander. He was like, you know, if you think that one's alive, then when you think we're murderers. Yeah. And if you don't, you, you know what I'm saying? And it puts it in layman's terms like, here it is. Here's your reality. Wake up, you know. And he still couldn't do it. You know, and then when he gets in that truck and they run into that building, which them running into the building was thin, but I, I didn't mind it. You know, they say they're going in to, to get some guys pinned down, but it goes back to the whole situation. Why are they in the building? What are they doing? If everybody's, if I hear, keep hearing these word cobalt, cobalt, and everybody's like, why are you clearing buildings? Why? I mean, I just, there was, that did leave a little bit, uh, you know, a bad taste in my mouth, but I think it served its purpose was to, you know, have Travis realize Okay, it's it's time, you know, and that that soldier coming back saying, "I have my own family. I'm gonna drop you from a few blocks away." That was the you know, get your motor going. We know I have a mission now. Here's the reality, and it took that trip of him chickening out, shooting the gun, and seeing soldiers that were the commanders, leaders, just gone like that. I think that's now he's going to become a motivated character to do what needs to be done. Redemptive final episode so we don't think he's a complete weak sauce for the you know for next season right and i guess here's where some of my confusion comes in on the on the decision making of the show like you said you got lieutenant malley or whatever his name is malloy um being super hard ass you know you think we're murderers if they if you think they're alive blah 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 right but then a whole through you know, through the first half of the episode, you have soldiers that are not willing to do or not wanting to do the things that he's ordering and things from up higher coming down, you know what I mean? So them backing him in any form or fashion seems thin to me. Um, I don't, all right, let's, let's talk about Cobalt a little bit because that's okay. kind of the main thing of the deal of right. the episode. We're assuming Cobalt is going to be the humane, you know, destruction of the medical facility for sure, right? Okay. And then we only assume that the neighborhood too. Yeah, like what do you call? We had a feedback from um, uh, Heather. She said one thing I wasn't clear about was whether or not the Cobalt plan was for humane termination of the captives at the medical center, or did it include the survivors in the safe zones? Did y'all have any thoughts on that when you do your pod? Um, my interpretation was is that the humane termination was the soldier, I think his name was Andrew, uh, was telling Daniel and them that Cobalt is, is that we're leaving, but anybody we have under our care, i.e. the prison, the camps, all that stuff, we're going to do a humane termination of those people because just you really can't just let them and set free. You know, that's not helping the situation. You know, you need to kill those potential, you know, people that are going to turn, even if they're good, bad, or, you know, healthy, whatever. I didn't get the vibe that they were going to kill anybody in the quarantine zone or the safe zones in the neighborhood. Um, and like later in the show, you see them just bugging out. They're just holla, you know. If they were, I think... I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Now, I could be completely wrong. You know, just like in the original show, they could come across with a plane and napalm everything, safe zone or not. But L.A. is a large area, and for them to be just napalming one little safe zone that's in the, 
you know, in the hills of California, you know, outside of L.A., I just don't see it. I see them just putting the mass at the center of town or center, you know, the metropolis and doing what they can. Okay, well, here's my concern. When they showed the inside of the medical facility that they set up, 90% of the patients inside there are military. You see them laying on the gurneys, on the tables, and stuff like that. They're military. They're soldiers. I don't think it's plausible that you could get the other healthy soldiers to humanely whatever put down their brothers in arms in that hospital. I just don't see it. That is a tough pill to swallow. I don't see that you could get them, you could convince them to do that. Well, you, you could look at it that way, or you could look at it as, as those soldiers are already dead, even if they're not dead. Uh, Does man, that make it, sense? I mean, I know that's a gray area. The no man left behind. You I, know. I hear you. I, I really do. But maybe Cobalt is, you know, like I said, military link up. From, it's just for civilians. You know, we're going to humanely terminate, the, you know, the civilian you know population. So truckloads of the military injured would go with them that, maybe you know that are that are not infected or you know that are going to die or I, I, that looked a, like a lot of them had non-lethal injuries right i mean don't get me wrong there was this thing where you see the doctor opens his shirt and he's like oh is that a bite oh god yeah. get him out of here get immediate here. cattle shot to the head yeah i mean um yeah but i mean that goes back to your original argument of why do we have soldiers who have shambling zombies getting to them you know if you're in groups of threes i just don't see it i don't i have a hard time thinking that a hundred or fifty zombies could take out a three-man armed crew that could no. get to them. you know no. i just i just that's the part i have a really with really tough grenades, stretch with the ammo everything they have i just being able to move they're I mean, making it really tough you're allowing yourself to get cornered if you wore denim if you wore jeans and a jean jacket you Can't cannot bite through it, bite through it. The only place they got is your lovely cheeks. You know, cover, you I know, mean, your face. Oh, okay. And to wear a biker helmet. I mean, you're literally invincible yeah. from those things. And you would have to physically hurt yourself, or they'd have to pile on you so much they could tear your clothes off you and then eat yeah. you. You know, I just. Yeah, I, I, I'm struggling with the plausibility of this now. Well, they're just over. It's just like us asking us to overlook the idea of the zombie itself. I mean, it is what it is. I understand. But. This is some of the missed opportunities, I feel. Yeah. Like, show show what happened. Yeah. Show me how a soldier gets bested by a zombie right. or multiple zombies. So, we talked about when they go inside the building, and you have the scene of Travis sitting and hearing it on the radio, right? I'm going to take you back to a movie, Aliens. You remember this? Mm-hmm. First team goes in, you know, oh, know they're on the truck, and you hear it. You know, and they're like Vasquez. You know, yeah. all their all their videos are going out and everything like that. Oh, yeah. and, but you're also getting the quick glimpses of what's going on inside. You know, you see this guy getting dragged off. You see this some shooting. Oh, I, I'm with you, and I know where you're going. But see, that movie was about the soldiers and the characters because it was a dwindling down. In this, this is not about the soldiers. This is about Travis. And so that's the one part. I trust me. I'd love to see those soldiers in there and see how it unfolds. But I don't. I don't know how you make it plausible. But they showed the plausibility of a alien taking out a armed soldier with surprise and whatever. Right? It only take flashes 
just to show a soldier not protecting his backside and a few of them grabbing him and then that'd be fun it's like okay that's how it happens you know there's there's three of you and you can only guard certain sides of yourself you know what i mean like yeah you're in tight hallways. You can't you can't see every position. Run of, you run out of ammo. Whatever. You're down to your sidearm, and there's still a mass. You're pinned. Right. Just give me, hell, give me a last stand of a soldier yeah. that's like fighting to the death. You know. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, like they show a zombie knock a guy out of a window with him. I'm like, come on, man. Give me some. Give this me some. is just. Uh, I think it's just so flimsy. Right. I hear you. I hear you. Well, let's move into the show a little bit. Okay. Um, we let's talk about the new character. Um, they didn't give his name in the show, but if you read IMDb, this is Strand, the uh, guy from Lincoln and um, right and uh, Selma, and you know he's a closer, the man wearing the tuxedo, negotiating deals, and the man's got a key to make a move and use Nick. I'm getting like you said. I think uh, his his big move is, is you know you need somebody who can. Do you think he's going to make him act like he's convulsing or, you know, getting sick from his, you know, his heroin, you know, like withdrawal or something like that to cre- create a stir for them to come in to, for him to get out or what? What do you think his move is? Well, first off, let me say this is a strong point on the writer's point of view. I love the way this guy's written, the Dude, way he talks. He's a great character to add. Absolutely. I mean, it, and this is not what I expected at all. No, I mean, no. He is completely out of left field, and I love it. I think he's an awesome dynamic to add. And I hope he's a key player who lasts in this show. Right, but it is strange because the cold open part of him where he just throws Doug under the bus, basically. Yeah. And just she says... She figure? Right. <laughs> I was well, like, just wow. <laughs> says the, the one thing that could send him over the edge... Seemed like he was kind of out for himself, but the fact that he was protecting Nick and wants Nick makes me think either he's using Nick for his purpose, like you're saying, maybe to create a diversion, or that he likes Nick, you know, after meeting him for five minutes. So, do you think somebody brought this up? And when I was at work today, and I thought this was a great point. Do you think the thing with Doug was a test run? To see how soldiers handle a person that's losing their cool inside the, the cage? No, because this guy had made deals with this soldier before. And that's the thing. It's like, what are these deals? Because he got yeah. the watch from him. You know, now he's got cufflinks. Now he's got the cufflinks. So he could get Nick back. Like, what are these previous deals? What's he swapping? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, he said he has a key, right? So I can't see that guy giving him a key for any reason. So I'm, I will be curious to find, you know, find out what his deal is. Right. right. Um, yeah. But so and far, it's very intriguing. I but, really yes, like it. So far, I am very intrigued by his character because yes. I like the way he's written. I hope they can continue his the way he has his banter and stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, when the show started out, they were you know they were throwing rocks at the soldiers of the gate, and that was you know um, Ophelia. And Andrew comes in, and then there was a, a lot of little things were going on. There was a tension scene between Travis and Madison, and Chris and his punk self comes in there and goes, I wasn't talking to you. You know, Don't interrupt the conversation. I just slapped the teeth out of this kid's face. I'm telling you, yeah. talking like that. You know, he'd go in there and go, back up, go, go apologize. No, no. He'd have a few, he'd have, have a, you know, he'd have a few fingerprints on him after I got done with him. Now go in there and, and go apologize. You don't talk to somebody that way. 
I don't know about you, but that 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 crawled my skin a little bit. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't love Chris's character because, like I said, I don't deal well with teen angst. Yeah, at this point, well, he was last episode. He was starting to come around a little bit for me. This one, right back to where he was in the crapper for me. But this is again, this is a problem with them not talking to each other, like. Chris did no longer brought up the flashing light from the building. Yeah, like that—that's dead and gone, forgotten. It's just like it's over with. Did Travis tell him that he saw a gun no team blow him away or anything? I'm just like, come on, man. Why is Travis so convinced during most of this episode that the military could still be worked with when he clearly saw a fire team go and waste some survivors in the house? It's like, why is he still so? gung-ho on certain things uh, i mean it's just like one of the feedbacks is like um eric got on there and said travis is just complete completely lost he needs to wake up you know i mean yes he made a good call about susan in the first day of the epidemic or but ever since then he's just making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision and he didn't wake up school's out english lit's not needed anymore and there's over 370 million people in the united states and he's gonna have to take a few of them down if he wants to come see surviving so i mean i think eric was right on point you know he needs to wake up yeah but beyond wake up at this point like I mean, you've seen your neighbor eating your dog in your living room. You've seen him still standing there with half his face gone from a shotgun play. You saw what Calvin get hit by a truck three times. What more evidence do you need to go ahead and be an offensive player instead of this defensive hope for the best, optimism, humanity's not dead? Why do we have to, why do we have, to have the Dale 2.0? Yeah, know? he's... Because guess what happens to Dale? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but he's just so much of a hindrance, you know. Yeah, you know, he slows everything down. I, I, I just. Mm, mm. I guess my concern is, is that I don't feel like anybody in this show is young enough to play this family game anymore. Like all these kids are over. What do you think, Chris? Is sixteen at least? At least. So almost of driving age. Yeah. It's unacceptable that any of these people act like angsty teenagers anymore to me, especially, including you know, Alicia. Especially with the reality of what world is now. Yeah, I just you none know, of this stuff. This is where people would be cowering to their families for motivational help, support, and the needing to feel secure. And this whole deal, uh, yeah, that that part is what's thin. And they could improve that. There's no doubt. Um, and of course, we talk. We see Liza at the hospital. Um, talk about her character. And wow, what a transformation for this girl. I mean, I could not stand her at the end of last episode, just leaving her kid and going to the hospital. But I overlooked that now that when, you know it shows her sewing up, you know, a soldier's wound and guessing the lung was collapsed and all these different things. And she's actually working and learning and. I'm realizing that she is going to become a prominent character because of her medical background. It seems like even in The Walking Dead, there's always been at least one person who's been able to help medical-wise, and they've become a fixture for the show for at least a, you know, a short period or even long-term. You know, um, I hate to say that she's the pretty younger version of Herschel, but I mean, something is that nature. You know, um, I feel like that she's going to continue on, and she'll be part of the getting out of Dodge, and we'll see her next season. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, I think so. And uh, just to set your mind at ease, 
Liza also plays on the show Orange is the New Black. She's fantastic. She's a great actress. You don't have to worry about just being... I mean, she is a pretty woman, but she's well beyond uh, pretty face. She's excellent. Excellent Good actress. Deal. Good deal. Um, Madison and the flashlight going down the stairs. Did you feel any tension with the flashlight fading and you know filtering out and turning black and all that stuff? Honestly, I mean, this it's time, kind of no. tropey, but... The one thing they did differently here, which I really, really, really appreciate, and a lot of people didn't realize, and when I told my wife that, she's like, "You make such a good point," is that she showed that the flashlight was the flashlight was malfunctioning before she even went down there. You know, she was having difficulty with it like that. Yeah. How stereotypical is it? Grab a flashlight, works, and it starts dying as soon as you get into a dark spot. You know, it gave it that realism a little bit before to give you that. Okay, there's a potential here, and then when it does, and it goes all black, and she's you know she's cussing, and she's like. I really, I actually liked it one time. You know, it's one time I can say yes, that right there, that was that little extra detail made that a good part. Right. Once again, they hit that detail, which is makes it the scene so much more plausible yeah. and fun. Uh, I didn't necessarily feel any tension this time because I feel like that's done too much. It's well, like that's with her. I mean, you you, you kind of already know nothing's going to happen to her. Honestly, I don't. I would have found it much less plausible that there's a living or not living, but a walking zombie in the whole town anymore for with after a full military sweep. Yeah. Nine, 10 days. Somebody would have come accounted yeah, something. No. So I know there's no more walkers in there. Yeah. And then when she walks in there and sees Andrew tied up with duct tape and Ophelia and Daniel, you know, this is what has to happen. And then this whole ludicrous trade idea I was like, oh, no, no, this is awful. And then he redeemed it by saying, yeah, they're not trading him. They're not getting him back. You know, he was, yeah. you, you started to realize in his mentality, and it was like that was a really good unfolding of the character of Daniel by him you know, coming up with this plausible, non-plausible plan that makes his daughter think everything's going to be okay. As soon as she walks away, he's like, that would never happen. This is not going to happen. I'm going to get my answers my way. And, uh, you know, yeah. I was like, that's sweet. You know, yeah, I I feel like they let this marinate pretty well because in that first scene you don't you don't learn that he's the bad guy yet. You just learn that he's been through some stuff, right? You know, and that's what you're he thinking. He has experience. You just didn't know what right. type of experience, right? And I like the fact that they let the whole episode keep unfolding and give you a little more detail, a little more detail on his backstory. And it looks like yeah, he was um, he went through some stuff when he was young. Where he was on the, you know, he was on the good side of the problem, which, like in many people's cases, when you go through something when you're young, you turn dark, mm-hmm. and you kind of overcompensate, and that looks like what happened, you know, and, you know, you found out, and we've talked about it before. Alva Salvador has gone through a massive civil war. Yeah, for we got a many feedback years. from. Um I think that was Jeff. Yeah, Jeff sent me in and said, "Yeah, by the way, guys, did some homework and found out that El Salvador went through a civil war in 1980 to 1992. Maybe this is what they're referencing as refugees uh, from El Salvador." Uh, I said, "Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that." You know, absolutely. And uh, I like I, I was telling you before we got on the cast was wouldn't surprise me if he was not less not necessarily a refugee but a run. You know, on the run from his own country. Right. Well, I also did learn that sometimes we call people refugees, but refugees are sometimes the bad guys. A lot of people get that mistake that refugees are people trying to get away from everything, but not always. Uh, refugees can also be from other countries, can be considered the, the bad element. 
that you know a forced out community right the forced bad. but I'm sure there was a massive war crime witch hunt you know whatever you want to call it for whoever was involved in any of the you know high up decisions or wrongdoing you know it's like after World War Two when they were hunting down the Nazis and right. stuff like that that right. were still left in Argentina and places like that you know it's like I can assume he's got warrants <laughs> to go back right. home, you know. You know, there was, you know, one thing that I caught. How about this bag Daniel pulls out with all the razors? Seems like a pretty good little size bag of, you know, shaving kit, razor, straight razor. Where did that come from? I guess he had it when they left the barbershop. That's the only thing I can I assume. I'd have to go back and watch... I just don't remember him grabbing anything. I thought he put his coat on, his wife grabbed a purse, and they ditched, you know. I'd have to watch it and see if he had a bag around his shoulder or something. Because I was like, I mean, that was really cool and all, but I was like, hmm, I don't remember him having anything in hand. And that bag wouldn't fit in the back pocket, you know. No, no, no. He had a, it was a pretty good size little satchel. Little, little kid he had going there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hmm, might have to go back and look at that a little bit. But you know what? I remember from like the first or second episode – he was pretty, you know, don't touch my stuff, you know, like, mm-hmm. whether it was shaving kit combs and the in the blue juice, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, just don't touch anything. Blue juice. Yeah. And he, he seemed pretty proud of his instruments. Right. You know what I mean? Um, let's talk about the soldiers. You know, I really liked the part, you know, where they were out there and they're complaining of being up, being up, being out for 50 hours and being banged up. And they, he even made points to say like, we, we lost one guy, you know, yesterday. And, and then you see soldiers like, I can't do this anymore. This isn't me. And walking off and becoming a wall, you know, I appreciated these things. It showed that there is that humanity element to even to the soldier that, you know, is what I'm doing right? Is you know is this correct? You know, could you even walk off? Did, did that? I had a lot, a lot of feedback. A lot of people I talked to, they were fifty fifty on this. One side of the fence said that would never happen. One side of the fence is like I'd be walking with them. What's your thoughts? Oh, one hundred percent, I'd be walking with them because I know there's a lot of conspiracy theorists and truthers and stuff that fear one day martial law could happen on our own soil to protect us you know from ourselves or whatever the case may be you just gotta understand that all these guys and all these gals they're human beings they have families you would you'd be asking them to not only you know corral and point guns at their own people but also their own families and stuff you know what i mean it's not i don't see it plausible without a massive dropout and like you say, a wall group of military, they just wouldn't do it. There's yeah. no way. Well, let me give you a feedback. This was from John, uh, career military. And he says, uh, I can't speak for the average person, but let me tell you from experience that I do not believe for a second, zero percent that soldiers would walk out under command. If it's still under the organized military of any facet, and this, in my opinion, hurt the show. And so that was his opinion coming out that, you know, 
that the way they're trained and taught and so on, and their brotherhood is a tighter bond than leaving to go and take care of one's own. Yeah, I totally agree with that when it's on foreign soil and dealing with foreigners. But when but it comes like, to being you're in your, LA and you're your an hour soil. to San Diego. And you know, from the looks of it, we're not talking about. These you look know, like young kids. This is like National Guard Reserve. These are weekend warriors. We're not talking about the hardcore lifers. You know what I mean? This is. I just. I think the show's depicting a better version. I think as a viewer who has no military background or really not much of anyone in the service to even compare it to by the way we appreciate your services and god bless america and thank you for everything you do to protect our country and as well as help others but um the reality of it is is that um to the typical viewer it seems plausible because you would think you would act the same way I just can't speak to the mind of a person who is career military or something like that. So I, I thank John for his feedback and I appreciate that he brought that tidbit in there because I think every man makes his own decisions. So, but I did enjoy the part. I thought it was good to see that people struggling and wanting to make decisions and cause that's what I would believe I would do. So there right. you go. I, I look at it. The part where the guys came out of the building and said, screw this. My new mission is getting to San Diego and finding my family. Yeah, finding my own, yeah. That would be my bigger thing was you got this group of people, this huge military mass looking after this small community. And there's no way I couldn't think about my family wherever they could be unless I knew that they had already turned and had been killed. Yeah, and unless you, you knew there was no hope left. But the thing of it is too is I don't know how close everybody else's families are, but our family's pretty close. Even if I knew that certain members of my family, I would still want to know where the other members are. Yeah. That would still be a strong Even desire. distant cousins and yeah. aunts, uncles, and stuff like that. I would be like, if this, whatever. I still want to make sure they're okay. Yeah. It's your priorities in life. Right. How about uh, how about the commander? What was his name again? Uh, Malloy. Malloy. How about uh, his his answer to his soldier? Oh, here's a and tissue. Pull, pulls out the little handkerchief hanky, tissue. Yeah. Goes, now this you're gonna have to separate, have to share it, small, share it in small pieces and stuff. I was like, what an ass! But I loved it. I was laughing my tail off. I think it's good writing, but once again, this is kind of tropey. Where this guy's <laughs> yeah. a dick for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Really. I mean, it, it's ultimate dick mode. You know. I mean, they've had this guy hitting golf balls. Yeah, you know they've had him trying to have a civilian shoot a zombie yeah. now. Zero and, conscience, you know. Like ah. I could piss on y'all. You know, he's the kind of guy who would use a soldier as an ottoman. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's yeah, the I kind just, of guy you weigh him to. Once again, that's another missed opportunity to me. They could have created a good character here, a guy who was actually conflicted with his orders. You know, like they have with the other soldiers. And these yeah. guys are down. They're down on what they're doing. Yeah, it's brutal. Everybody's exhausted, tired, don't want to do with it. Dumpy I'll, morale. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, exactly. Um, then you know the it kind of spends a lot of time with Liza at the at the hospital, and she ends up finding Griselda, and you come to find out that she had septic shock and that it's the, sep- the infection obviously made it to her brain. And this isn't a holding tank for people who are not going to make it, you know, 
and uh, a little convenient that the doctor was there waiting on her, you know, but um, that whole Dennis Griselda's dialogue, wow, tripping me out. You know, and when I first heard it, just being honest, because we talked about this a little bit before we pod, is that I didn't make the equation that she was talking about Daniel until I really started thinking about it, and I actually went back and listened to it again, and um, however, you know, I had to slow down the subtitles. How about this font that was so small and very difficult to read? You know, I was listening to other guys that had the same kind of gripe. It was it was not pleasurable to try to read what she was saying, and I think it kind of hurt me. But anyway, long story short, come to find out she's basically describing the husband as the monster, even though she still loves him for who he is. Is Who he is is that, you know – sets the tone for what kind of person he really is. What we're going to be expecting from Daniel for the future. Yeah, he's a survivor at any means necessary, you know. And thank you. We need at least one character who has these attributes for this group to survive further if they're going to stay a group. Yeah, because... But I am curious. I mean, obviously, we realize Griselda dies. They give her the, the cow poker. Um, <laughs> was it was it a little strange that Liza was just straight okay with doing it quickly, no hesitation, almost? Yes, that whole thing bothered me. It was too easy. My, even I was sitting with my wife, and I was like, "I don't. I think she's about to do a Travis here." Wow, we're already at that point where I say you're doing a Travis. Um, but no, I mean, dunk, there it is, hole in her head, and it's over. And I was like, "Wow, I mean, that was." Zero, almost zero hesitation here. Almost emotionless. It was kind of yeah, to me. Like, who doesn't okay, have a conscience now? That I was did. that that ruined a little bit of the scene for me. That she needed to struggle. You know, there need to be her hands shaking, going, "Do I really have to?" Or let the doctor persuade her more, or let me do it, or something. It was like, oh, okay, here, Dink, and it's over. You know, what I mean, it was that quick. Yeah, when the doctor was about to do it. Yeah, you know, but, and she could. I would have preferred if the doctor did it and had to explain herself and she mourn, whatever. Um, but her just like immediately grab it from her and then immediately, yeah, you know, give her you the You know what poking. it's telling me is that every character minus Travis is figuring out what they have to do to be survivors. And, and every one of them is making Travis look that much weaker. Yeah, but... It's not, like I don't, it's not like I don't want to see Travis anymore. I know it. Well, think about even Madison. She finds out about Daniel. Daniel explains that, you know, hey, I told her everything. I just didn't tell her which guy was in what chair. You know, I said, and then he, he puts the, he fronts the question to her, you know, would you want to know? Would you want to tell? And like that. Are you going to say? And she, nah. You yeah. know, she's. What did we find call. out? Yeah. And no, you know, she, he's achieving objectives. Objective she wants. You want to find your kid? That's what has to happen. Okay. You know, she's all right with it. And so everybody's coming to grips, you know, but Travis and, you know, Alicia and Chris, which they're, and their whole scene at the house. Come on. Angsty teenagers tearing up a house, the whole nine yards. What's with the staring at her back without a, you know, and the dress and the lipstick and uh, this whole scene just. Didn't do it for me. I, I felt unnecessary. Only thing I gathered from it, only thing I think was this: is, this was them realizing that they'll never grow up to have this life. 
I can see that. You know, they're looking at the picture, going, you know, what if? What's the, where, where are they? What, what's their situation? You know, right? Look at the never, house they grew up in. Right. They'll never be worried about status. money and yeah, you know, what, where they live. You know, what kind of house they have, and oh yeah, this apocalypse. Nice clothes. Level the playing field. Right. So, I took it as them like taking the opportunity to try and feel that, you know, kind of. But I don't understand yet the sexual tension between Alicia and Chris. I mean, another stepbrother, sister, whatever. You ever see them making a connection? It's frowned upon in 30 of 50 states, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Unless you're Woody Allen or something. in a couple states right around (laughs) us, yes. Yeah, the consent laws are a bit wonky around some of our states, but... uh, <laughs> no, I mean, there's actually nothing wrong with it at all. It's just uh, strange. You know, it'd yeah, be an odd yeah. turn to take, but I don't know. I look at it kind of like you were talking about with Madison and Travis and the relationships that are forming and breaking and whatever. Because I think, I think Daniel's going to have a problem with his daughter now. Um, I think Travis and Madison are about to have a real problem because if he keeps playing this weak, soft role, I can easily see her, who seems to be a more dominant and reactionary person, you know, just leaving his ass behind, you know. Don't worry about me anymore. Do you just take care of your family? I got mine type of deal, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And instead of there being a love triangle, it's going to be, we got us, you know, you worry about you and yours type of deal. Right. And then, you know, the Chris and Alicia thing, maybe that comes together at some point, which would unite those two families again. Right. You know, um, but I'm also, I'm curious about a few things. Like, how's Daniel going to handle Griselda being dead? Yeah. How's he going to handle the fact that Liza's the one that killed her? Does he even find that out? I don't think Liza would lie. I think she'll tell him what happened. What what she had to do, yeah. Okay. Do we think Daniel sees Griselda's body? No. Yeah, I don't see. Uh, I mean, that that's to play some some run around. Up, see some storage. See you bye. Yeah, I don't think you ever see her again. Okay. Speaking of characters, we might or might not see. Us. Let me interject this. This was brought in as a, a feedback. Tobias. If we ever going to see Tobias again? I don't think we're going to see Tobias this season. But maybe we'll see him again. And another one. Will we see Lieutenant Malloy again? Mm, I think Malloy is more plausible than Tobias. You I think know. so? I don't know. They gave Tobias too much screen time he to just be He did have a lot of screen gone. time. You know, well, maybe it's a situation where if they decide to get out of Dodge... Madison's like, we've got to go by this house and check. We've got to go by here. And maybe they grab Tobias on the way out the, uh, the street. You know, I'm just... only thing I can think is, is that Tobias knows they were going to the desert. And maybe he, if he was alone, would try to go and find her. Okay. And maybe, it, maybe once they bug out and they do make it to the desert, or whatever they decide, maybe they run into each other. Okay. I, that's plausible. I'll go with that. But I do wonder about Malloy. Because they've already kind of played him up. Because at this point, I know we talk about the military being the bad guy. But 
But there is no real big bad guy. No, there isn't. Because if they, like I said, if they end up wiping out the medical center with all the soldiers in it, which I find very implausible, uh, you know, who's the big bad? Everybody loses. In Who this. says there is a big bad? In That's the what I'm first saying. Ep- the first season of Walking Dead, there wasn't a big bad. It I was hope there's just not. them navigating right. the world they live. Okay, so where did... Hang on. I want to make sure we get through everything we wanted to talk about in this episode before we get to yeah, don't predictionary that. stuff. Uh, da, 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 da. What's the minutes here? I'll tell you what, one thing I definitely want to talk about. Andrew talked about, you know, he's got his arm filleted open with Daniel there. And he's, you know, he's talking about, you know, there's less nerve endings in the outer epidermis and skin and right, the right. deeper tissue. And we're like, yeez. And then Andrew starts spilling the beans about how they couldn't tell the difference in the infected and not infected. So they just closed the doors of the arena. And there was 2,000 plus people in there and, yep. and so on. And then it goes into the details of Cobalt and all that other stuff like that. Later in the episode, you see Daniel make the trek up there to the arena. What is his purpose to go to the arena? My original thought was is this is just to confirm Andrew's story, to tell if he's really telling the truth. Did you get that vibe or was there something else? No, that's I guess where I was going. But do I think it was unnecessary? Yeah. You know, I think it was cool to see it. I think I think you're right. I think it was a really neat deal, and they 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 panned back to see the entire stadium, and you could just have this feeling of wow, how many are in there? You know, I know he said two thousand, but he's guesstimating, and the doors doing like they were. I was that was intense. I I, I thought it was awesome. That's that's I think because it's unnecessary. I think it was a part from the showrunners to. Once again, show some kind of plausibility in a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. There is your concern. That arena. 2,000 zombies at once piling out of that thing would be a real problem. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That is a massive force. So, I think it was it was cool to show it, but it was also three minutes of unnecessary time probably yeah. <laughs> you know it's just because i feel like they did a good enough job of showing the soldier basically spilling the beans for real and seemed trustworthy and yeah and honest and the uh one of the best lines for the entire episode they had a little short snippet there with strand and nick and he one of the lines he talks about is is that you know, basically like the world's level now, like we were just talking about. He says, your, your big wigs, your frequent flyers, are, they're the buffet now. You know, it's us people who have our means and a skill set or, you know, don't sell yourself sore. You're the, you know, you're not an addict. You're the gold standard, a heroin addict. You know, this guy's dialogue is just, I'm soaking it up like a dry sponge, man. I love it. Right, because I, I love what he's talking about. It's like in the land of the blind, the one-eyed, my, the one-eyed man is king. Right, mm. so he's talking about the level playing field now. He's a closer. He's a salesman. He's obviously a salesman. And then you got Nick, who's a heroin addict. Those people are intuitive. You know, they they create situations for themselves. He knows how to break into places and rob people. You know what I mean? People who steal, who take full advantage of their situation. Right, is fully capable of sleeping in squalor. You know, doesn't have a problem with that. You know, 
doesn't need a shower for days and no. so people like Nick right other than his shortcoming of he's going to go through withdrawals real bad and he's going to want to fix that and he still has that awful coat on right <laughs> but otherwise he's very you know well suited for this kind of you know issues you know this yeah. I mean the rich people that are fat and you know, lazy and people care for them. Right. That's all out the window. Yeah. But I, I do hope at some point that we do see some LA rich people, you know, I mean, that's the community they're in. We're talking about some serious money. Some people with some massive compounds and huge homes. Hollywood, man. Yeah. And you think people that live in Malibu, 50% of their home is over the water. So all they got to do is guard the front of their house. You know what I mean? Like, they're in pretty good shape, if you think about but they it. They can't cook a sandwich. Can't yeah, boil water. But their maids are probably stuck in there with them. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Matt said, "Do you think the soldiers know that Andrew's not around anymore? Do you think he's going to be labeled as a deserter or dead or or so on? You know, I think uh, them showing the scenes of them bugging out at night and we knowing that Cobalt is at nine a.m. the next day." you think Andrew becomes a part of the, you know, that he's gone, a deserter? Or do you think he becomes part of the cast? Do you think they put a little bandage on him and he becomes part of the group? I mean, he would be a fighter, a soldier. It's weird to me that they showed the bugging out already. Um, it was no, a little premature you the, know, that night. The Hummer dropping off Travis and them saying they're going to San Diego, that made sense. We'll drop you off two blocks from the safe zone and we're heading out. That made sense to me. Although, good luck getting gas in that Hummer to get to San Diego. Yeah. Just good luck. Okay. Um, But the fact that the other people were bugging out in the middle of the night, it didn't make much sense to me unless we find out that the humane extermination of these people is going to be dropping a bomb. Mm -hmm. You know, then I would think, okay, y'all need to get to a safe distance. Yeah. You know, but the doc's not leaving yet. You know, the doctor's not left yet. All the people are still at the medical facility. You know, you have soldiers about to take Nick and stuff like that. Yeah. Where, where's the evac? Timing is a bit screwy right now. Like, why do they care that Nick could be a problem if they're going to kill everybody 10 hours from now? True that. That's a great question. I didn't think about that. You know, if you already know... You're not going to let these people out of their cages. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who says the people at the hospital know? (sighs) Man. Who says the the, the soldiers that are at the safe zone get their commands from somewhere? Doesn't necessarily mean because they're getting it that the other people are getting it as well. Yeah, I don't know. That seems. That's thin, but it's possible. I just don't see you killing a doctor, like someone you know. With medical I'm, means. I'm with you there. I am. But I just, mm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. I think it's possible flimsy. Possible yeah. flimsy. Uh, David wrote in and told us that he we better see a Shiite load of walkers coming out of that arena or, or something or he's going to be pissed. <laughs> and I was like, um, yes, we have been light on the walker um, exploits for the last couple of episodes. So, I think we're going to get a grand finale. You know, we're going to see some kind of horde or 
a good little uh, mod podge of them for this last episode. Would you agree with that? Actually, no. Really? Believe it or not, I don't think we're going to get a big, massive horde. Because I think if they do a napalm or a bomb, we're going to see little sight scenes of the world taken over by zombies and then, you know. Yeah, I mean, but we're talking about these guys said they have a six-mile perimeter around this thing. I'm like, that's huge. That's a massive amount that is of space. Massive. So first off, I'm assuming the arena is within the six miles because Daniel walked to it. Yeah, because Daniel's not too light on his feet. Yeah, I don't think he's doing the old four-minute mile <laughs> trucking it out there. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So there's six-mile safe zones included with 2,000, over 2,000 zombies in a building. Yeah, not a safe zone. Not a safe zone at all. So maybe something happens when they bomb it, the doors blow off the arena, and then you see a massive wad of zombies come out or something. I don't know how they're going to pull this off, but this kind of gets me to the point where I wanted to get to. Who survives the final episode? So we're going into the prediction range? Kind of, yeah. Okay. Uh, only for you. I got a couple more feedbacks. Um, it would be easier to say who dies. Okay, who dies? Because I thought Griselda was going to die in the final episode, but she's already dead. To me, it is... God, I hate to say, I can't think of one. I yeah. mean, Do you I'm think really we have struggling. to have a main character die? No. I didn't take Griselda as a main character to begin with. No, I mean, she died this past episode, and it she served her purpose. I get you that, you know. Um, but I could see the doctor dying. I could see Liza, no. Nick, no. Strand's new character got. If Strand dies, people are going to start boycotting. Racism. It's <laughs> yeah, straight I mean, racism. It's, just, it's an epidemic. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, and they say the South's bad. Um Travis, no. Madison, no. Daniel, no. I feel you, no. If I, if I had to choose one, if I had to, it would be one of the three kids. I just don't see any of the adults biting the dust. I think you need Liza for multiple reasons: medical and the three and the three, you know, the two women slash Travis triangle struggle. I think that's good drama. That's good deal there. Um. We've already lost Griselda. I don't see Daniel. We need that guy. Uh, Ophelia is going to be his motivation. So if she were gone, Daniel's a lost soul, so he loses the team commitment. So, no, that's no good. Um, Chris, Alicia, it wouldn't bother me a bit if either one of them went, you know. But I think you need both. Alicia's more expendable than Chris is in my mind. Um, I do too because Madison has two children. Exactly. But they've spent too much time with Alicia. Yeah, I mean... i tell you who I think is probably... My biggest bet would be Liza. Which is unfortunate because she's the one with the medical history. But here's what I think could happen. Madison and Daniel, I think, both blame Liza for whatever happens at the medical facility. Mm, the fact so. that Nick got taken and the fact that... Now Griselda's dead. Griselda's dead. And Liza has to do with it. And left Chris behind. 
I have this feeling that oh, maybe they're going to have a chance to save Liza. I know where you're going. Yeah, but I, I, but hinder her in oh, some yeah. kind of way. They're going to do a they're going to do a Shane slash Otis. Yes, something twisted that Madison and Daniel are going to have to keep yeah. secret. We're going to lock this door. Goodbye. You know, yeah. something like. I think something dark had happened to Liza from either Madison or Daniel. And I'm that. thinking. And then that causes turmoil amongst the entire group for next season is that they know there's some shady stuff that went down. I don't think anybody's going to know but Madison and Daniel, though. Yeah. little silent revenge. Right. Because I think them two are reactionary. So, so this is going to force Chris to become part of the family unit. I can see that. Hey, I'm 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 right there with you. Well, it's going to bring Chris and Travis probably close together. You know, once again, kind of separating the family again. Yeah, I can see that. Um, a little divide. Yeah, I think something dark might happen to Liza. That's my prediction, at least. Is that something could happen to her? Which just sucks because, like I said, she's a great actress. I'd love to see her continue. That's really, true. honestly, no. I could easily see no one dying. I mean, I. That's kind of what I think. Worst case scenario, you could have somebody who gets injured or bit, and then next season, how they deal with that or something like that. You know, not maybe say a true say death. You know, but they could go through that because just like Walking Dead, they go through the struggle of seeing somebody who's bit and then slowly turn. You know, I remember when Andrea's sister. You know, she got you know, bit and then died and then turned. And it was that first time you really had to go and kill someone violently, you know, without a cattle gun or anything else, you know, the, that's going to happen. There's going to be a bite, you know, is it going to be the next episode? I don't know. I don't think so, but that's going to be down the line. Well, like you say though, I don't think strands going to die. No. So that's just adding one more character to the cast. And if the doctor lives and stays with them, that's another one that stays in the cast. I don't see the Doctor and Liza making it. I don't see the Doctor being part of the group. I think Doctor's toast. Okay, so that's a big cast going into next season. And then if you add Andrew, the soldier, I mean, if he becomes no. part of the group, do you think he becomes part of the group? I would not be surprised if Andrew gets his throat sliced already that we haven't seen yet. Oh, so they went ahead and found the extra layers of skin at the throat region? The yeah, throat region. yeah. Oh. The layers of jugular. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. How does the final episode end? We, hey, right now we're one for one on predictions, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think there's going to be mass hysteria from the military bugging out. Um, they're going to have like a little prison raid. I'm not sure they're going to be the ones that get Nick out. I think Strand's going to get Nick out. Maybe even to the point where it's a Strand and Nick show for a few episodes next season separated from the group where Nick's like, they're going to the desert. Like maybe they think Nick dies and they, whatever, an explosion or something like that, which would give Madison more reason to kill Liza. You know what I mean? And then maybe later on they get together, you know, and you get kind of a reunion scene. Do you think the group goes to where the camp is to try to save Nick and them and li- and get Liza and all that? Yes, absolutely. So you think that's definitely a phase of the next episode? I think they're definitely going to get they're going to get Nick and Griselda. Okay. And Liza. 
Instead I of being Griselda, they get Strand. Right. Okay. Or, yeah, maybe they get Strand and Nick, right? But I have this weird feeling that Strand's going to get Nick out beforehand. Okay. And then they, they get he, there. I mean, he's already made the comment that he knows everybody's bailing. And if they get there and Nick's not there, you think he's dead or, or whatever, you know. Right. Or they've taken him somewhere else, which would keep them moving. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think the I think next episode is going to be the assault on the medical facility to get their family and friends back, and then to try to get to the desert or to a safe distance from whatever's about to happen. Um, is it going to be two hours? I didn't see it where it was saying it was two hours. Because, man, I feel like they got a lot to wrap up. They do, but, you know, they've done such a good job with this pacing, in my mind, that I think the very beginning episode could be, okay, we have to go get them. We've already seen soldiers bailing out, and that's how, we, that's how it starts. And then them getting out of Dodge is the last 20 minutes of the episode. And then what they have to go through and what they see and then the obliteration behind them. So what do you think the humane, you know, I think they already told us whether that you know when we watched Atlanta get bombed and the whole nine yards. Okay, I didn't imagine that Atlanta was getting bombed. Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. They napalmed you know Atlanta you know because of the overtake. Um, I I think LA is the same thing. They're just going to combine, just obliterate it. You know, make it a giant crater that's unsavable. You know, I see. I could see them saving a huge amount of budget for this final episode for massive explosions and right you know evaporating small suburbs and stuff you know um could easily show a callback to the arena getting bombed the subdivision getting unfortunately bombed. i have this crazy thought like they're driving over a hill and all of a sudden you see just clouds and smoke and fire you really don't actually see any buildings go up you just have this impression that la's toast you know like it's a very subtle way of saying LA is no longer you know which is concerning because I'm going to wrong I wouldn't mind seeing like the arena getting blown to bits and a bunch of crispies walking out on fire you know but I just don't see it happening yeah yeah because I'm trying to think of their humane termination and I'm just like it has to be something killing the head you know they obviously they know you got to destroy the brain the only way you guarantee all that is just one big boom. Right. Because they're not going to go around just shooting people. No. no. That's worked out real well for them, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking, like, could they lock the doors and throw gas canisters in there or something like that, you that know? Help. Um, Which would kill them, but then they would still be zombies. Yeah. Reanimate. So what I'm thinking is maybe they do gas them and then bomb them. I don't even think they gas them. Just, I think you have no idea it's coming. You'll never know. You'll just evaporate. Yeah, you'll never feel it. Yeah. That's that's possible. It's the most likely. You know, yeah. they say they're going to, you know, cleanse the area or human, humane annihilation, whatever you want to call it. It's the only thing that makes sense because you, you, can't, you can't put boots on the ground to do it. You, you know. No, you got to bug out. Exactly. You got to so, get out. So. Yeah. Uh, cobalt in effect. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this entire next episode is them realizing our plan is to get our people and get out of Dodge. And we're going to see that from start to finish 
one way or the other. I think we'll, we'll have a few wrenches, you know, the lives of Strand and Nick. I think I like your idea that they're not all together at the end and that there is that bit of, well, I saw him. He was alive, but he could get out. He went that way. We don't know where they are. And they're like, well, we got to go. Well, last thing they heard, we were going to the desert. We're going to the desert. You know, like you were talking about earlier, and that little bit of unknown and curiosity, that's what, you know, makes it tantalizing for next season to figure out how they're going to put all that back together. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen Walking Dead be separated before, and uh, most of the time I didn't really enjoy it, but it did create some things that were enjoyable, you know. But like any Walking Dead show, they're going to have to do separations. So you have this person has their own part, and this person has their own part. And I think that's going to be a ton of next season. To make 15 episodes work with this cast and this setting, we're going to have a bunch of little pockets of cast doing their own thing. He's going to give me an idea, too. What if um, what if Liza doesn't die? Like, what if Madison or Daniel, I'm assuming I would say Madison more than likely, you know, locks her in a room or something like that so she'll die and leaves her. But what if Strand and Nick come across her and and take her, and then they you want to meet solve the, the problem, family? Then it comes back. Then it comes back to bite you in the ass, and Travis realizes that you tried, tried to, to kill, kill her. Wife. Right, the mother of my child. Could be cool. Could cool be cool drama set for next. Yeah. One. yeah, yeah. I'm with you there, man. I'm really with you. I guess it's a good deal. There, no doubt. Um. So, did you hear the announcement? They made it, you know, the, um, remember the, the zombies on the plane, Walking yeah, Dead plane like that? It's going to be a webisode. They're going to do webisodes. It's not going to be a TV yeah. thing. It's fine by me. I've loved oh, yeah. all the webisodes they've done in the past. Super excited about that. Can't wait for it to come out. So, Did they say how long they're going to be? I didn't see that part. Um, I just know that they're going to come out There's during the Walking Dead. There's six of them, Dead. though, right? Yeah, it's going to come out during the Walking Dead. So Okay, so six episodes of webisodes on one plane trip. I mean, they can't make them long. I mean, they got to be pretty short. <laughs> yeah, most of them aren't that long. But uh, most of the ones I remember, they're the like first five two or, or three episodes of webisodes were great. I really, really enjoyed them. I mean, you didn't have to like the characters, but the storylines they went through were awesome. Yeah. So, and then eventually those ended up tying in slightly to... There is a character on the plane that is going to become part of the season two cast. They um, know that for sure? Of the fear of the Walking Dead. That's that was what keeps getting mentioned on all the little pop ups oh, okay. and stuff. Kind of tells you the plane's going to make it, <laughs> but how many people on the plane are going to make it's another story. You know, uh. well, you're not going to see the plane go down in a ball of flame and somebody walk out and go. You know, it's not like mayhem off the you know commercials where he knocks the flame off his shoulder and keeps walking. Yeah. <laughs> There's something on the wing. Something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That could get uh, dicey. We'll see. If it's a plane crash yeah. and there's some walk away from it, eh. maybe he grabs the parachute before it goes up in a ball of flame. Parachute on the old passenger plane, eh? Hey, man. You know? Yeah, they have those. <laughs> Just grab the old lady's umbrella and float yeah, down. He's a survivalist. Don't hate Yeah, him. okay. Yeah. He put he's, a curtain together with some He's rope. an extreme ah. sports junkie. Yeah. He always carries a parachute. He was a oh, God, I'll be parachute. sickened. <laughs> sickened to death of that. But anyway, uh, you got anything else for this episode? I think we about tapped it out. Yeah, I think we're about covered. 
We're good to you. Guys, we appreciate everything. Appreciate y'all listening. Hit us up on Facebook. We're on Twitter, at Bleed TV Podcast, uh, as well as Bleed TV Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we got a few more reviews in this week. We really, really appreciate it. Um, thank y'all so much for all the positive words. Right now, we're singing real high numbers and really enjoying it. Um, we're getting great commentary back on Twitter and Facebook and uh, several emails and we just really enjoy it. We try to make a point to make sure we reply to everybody, and we'd love to hear from you as well. So uh, if you had a moment to uh, subscribe, send us a review or a comment, please do it. But uh, until then, man, uh, this is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. And we're out. ends it ends fast <laughs>